0: Hey, it's your pal Mike Shea, here with another episode, a, a, a long time coming episode, of the DM's Deep Dive. Uh, today, I am here with my friend, uh, Dave Chalker. Dave, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm Dave Chalker. I'm a, uh, well, a gamer, a game designer of the both RPG and board game varieties, Longtime time D&D player. Uh, you and I have played a bunch of various D&D editions together of, you know, various states and... Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's who I am. Uh, and I guess I should say I I founded and run Critical Hits, the blog, which uh, is how we met up and yep. uh, part of this topic, as well as a lot of ink spilled in our respective blogs about this topic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I've ever really, I mean, so, yeah. So, I, and I actually had the opportunity to write for Critical Hits uh, back in the in the 40 days. I wrote one of my favorite articles that I ever wrote uh, about uh, things I learned running a one to 30 campaign uh, mm-hmm. in fourth edition which i still go back to now like i still i still go back and kind of well, how did i feel about it because it's so easy <laughs> to like, feel about it now and then say like well that was six years ago like how did right. i how do i feel about it at the time so tonight uh we we wanted to talk about specifically uh the different styles of combat that can occur in D D. Uh, it, that's kind of a fuzzy way of saying it, but if you say like, well, we wanted to talk about gridded combat versus theater of the mind, it's like, well, that's actually a false dichotomy because there are actually many different ways to kind of run combat. You know, and we're, we're talking about D and D, but we're going to go off into all different RPGs and how other groups do it. Uh, but, but kind of with that focus back of, yeah, how, how, how does that change how D and D does it or how, uh, uh, how can it, right? How, how does it affect D and D? um but yeah there's a there's a lot of variety so the the fuzzier title of combat styles of dnd is sort of the best i could come up with that sort of captured uh all of these different uh styles of combat but if you're thinking theater of the mind gridded combat uh abstract zone-based combat like like fate has uh abstract distances like 13th age has and i'm sure mm-hmm. there are more and I, you have more experience in this than i do so i'm curious of, like what else are we missing in that in that in that group. Uh, but I, at, you know, when we do the deep dive, one of the things I like to do is offer some specific things to the people that watch in as uh, early amount of time as possible uh, in the show. So I'd like to ask you, I'll, I'll, I'll answer for myself, but we'll start with you. Uh, what is your preferred style of, of combat uh, in D&D or in, in other RPGs? And what tips do you have for people to run combat in that style? What three tips? specifically yeah
1: <clears throat> three tips okay so i i would say i run usually closer to gridded combat in D D. um not i don't like the strict grid anymore mm-hmm. but um and and again you brought up some of the like things that might be in the middle but i would say it's closer to gridded but not where you're counting spaces and that kind of thing i, I kind of gave that part up um mm-hmm. but some of that is it, you know, One is, like Theater of the Minds, you can still have a conversation about what characters want to do and what the players want to do and how to accomplish that. So you're, you kind of have this baseline of here are the things on the map, here's roughly what's closer to what, and so you're not spending that time describing what's there but at the same time, you want to make sure to give people options where if the thing they want to do is, you know, can I get all the way to the other side of this guy? Um, while it may look like if you were strictly counting squares, that would be too far. But you might be able to work with the player to come up with a way to to make that happen.
0: Yeah. No one wants to be the dwarf that made 25 feet and is five feet away from the bad guy. And you're like,
1: sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That That's one of these rabbit holes we can talk about is. D&D's use of sight <laughs> distances. Yep. Yeah, well, and also spell ranges and stuff, which yep. is, this is one of my, my things. Um, I don't know if this is a, a tip so much, um, just kind of general context. So I have this thing where I cannot visualize relational spaces in my head, right? So the biggest example I like to give is, is if I'm playing a video game like Dragon Age, mm-hmm. and I'm walking down a corridor, and I get into a fight, And then the fight's over and I'm trying to, like, continue down the corridor. I have no way which way I came from because I get completely spinned around and, you know, and I can't keep track of what's in relation to what. And often I'll just end up walking back a ways before I realize, oh, wait, this is the door I came in and I have to, like, track back. And that happens constantly, right? And that's one of the things I always struggle with in theater of the Mind is, you know, I don't have that picture that a lot of other people do in their heads when describing stuff. And this leads to a few other knock-on effects. So, you know, one of the things I like about my style is, you know, with some kind of representation of what's close to where is I at least have a baseline going in. And, you know, when it's other people's turns, I can track like, oh, that person went over there or isn't in the room anymore. You know, that monster went away because I can quickly glance without having to try and retain that information, which just doesn't work for me. Um, and so this is one of those things where it's kind of an accessibility issue. So I guess to try and turn it into a tip is to understand your players, not just their preference, but like what they can handle. And not everybody can necessarily put their their finger on what the issue is. Sometimes they'll just kind of check out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. So if it's something where they get confused more often, it might be that the player just you know can't keep up with the specific style and some twe- tweaks have to be made. Right.
0: Got it. Yeah, those are those are really good. So yeah, like yeah, and we'll talk more about that cuz I think I think right there, this is a it's it's really nice. I think it's really awesome that we have as many different options for this as we do and I think we can pick one nice thing, and, and I know you and I talked a little bit thus about this when we were when we were uh, talking about the topics for the show, is that it's not all or nothing. Like you don't you mm-hmm. don't have to say like this is gonna be, you know, a gridded game or we're doing grids for every battle. And sorry, I know we wanna have like there's one guard who's smoking whose back is two of you, but we're setting up a map and I'm putting that guard and he's you know. So there's there's you can try it, right? And you can try different things at different times and be like, Oh, that didn't work and then never do it again, right?
1: Right. So, well, and, and like your example, different scenes call for different things where right. you can just say, well, you're going to jump the guard. We're just going to. Yeah. If I a say. Quick rolls,
0: yeah. There's three Medusa mages at the northern, eastern and southern altars uh, at the western altar is your villain, Lido Uh Nearby okay. him is his uh, assassin bodyguard, uh, Valentine. In the center is a huge podium of fire uh, coming out of the podium is a massive beast called entropy. What do you want to do? Yeah.
1: Right. right. Oh, and That's by the way, every round D6 skeletons enter from the south. <laughs> right. That, so was real, that was a real battle, them. by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And
0: I ran it on a grid because I was like, this is yep. too complicated. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I, I you know, I, I wrote the question and then I'm going to waffle on the question of preferred style. But I'm going to defend true. pure theater of the mind uh, mm-hmm. because it was a different style for me. And I'm also defending because I think it is a valuable style that is that is underused. Uh, even recognizing you know, some of the accessibility things that you mentioned. Um, because I think it can be used in those circumstances of like, there's a guard down the hall. His back is to you. What do you want to do? You don't need to set up a grid for like, yep. I run up and jack him, you know? So, uh, but when I run Theater of the Mind, three things, I think these, these tips that I have, you can actually use for pretty much any style, maybe even, maybe other than pure gridded. I think, but probably, maybe you can use these at the, in, in all of them and my three are uh number one is ask for the intent so what does the you know when when a player a lot of times i'll have this back and forth with a player of like how far away are the two guards and you're like they're 25 feet away and it's like how close are they to one another and you're like 15 feet and you are like is there anything and you're like what do you want to do right i want to cast yeah. eldrick blast on two guys so i'm like no problem. Like, <laughs> like, why <laughs> are we having this big conversation? You can elder blast both the guys. So one is like, what do you, you know, like, you know, short circuiting, the, short circuiting the conversation of what, what do you want your character to accomplish? Like, what do you, what are you trying to do? And then work with them to try to do it, right? So you're not, you're not asking them so that you can screw them. You're asking them because you, you, you want to say yes, absolutely. How many, you know, how many can I, you know, how close are the goblins together? What do you want to do? I want to fireball them. You can hit all of them with a fireball, right? Uh, so one is ask her intent. Two is err favor the character. So if if you ha- are in a circumstance where it's arguable about one thing or the other, go with the character's intent, right? And go, go in the, you know, if the character is like, if I move away, will I take an OA? Only if you've explicitly stated, like it, only if it's very clear that they would have been, like they were just fighting a, a guy, would you say, yes, you're going to take an OA? Otherwise, you say, no, your character is smarter than we are. He, you know, they did not put themselves in a position to take an opportunity to attack. So you err in favor of the, the character, uh, and and that also means sometimes erring against your monsters. So if <laughs> the monsters running around, you say you get a free OA, right? Oh, I didn't even know they were near me. Yeah, they are. They walk right by. Oh, I'll hit them. So so that can work. Uh, and then third is, um, it, especially when you're in a pure theater of the mind, you know, start and end with big fiction, right? So you, we have this opportunity in theater of the mind to do things that you can't do on a two D on a 2d grid you know if we use that like you are hanging from a rope we had this happen right airship is flying over this area you're hanging from a rope that you know you're swinging back and forth you know but you think you can just swing within range of the two knolls that are on the edge of the other airship that's nearby you know what do you do and they're like i'm gonna wait and swing on a sword okay then we figure out the mechanics and then we describe you hit the knoll, the knoll comes flying off and tumbles down a thousand feet to the mountains below. So you have these like big fictional things that you you are, aren't going to show up on a grid, um, right. but really turn what is otherwise, like we were talking about, a bunch of spreadsheet work, uh, you know, rolling dice and coming up with numbers and checking the other things. It turns that into, you know, high and powerful fiction.
1: Yeah, to go back to your first example of, you know, like how far apart are the guards? Can I shoot them both kind of thing? Um, you know the common ground here is we we shouldn't have to be doing trigonometry to be playing D and D, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. Really, and and this is one of the things that that bugs me about D and D that a lot of other RPGs just don't have because of you know stuff that that is in those core rules mm-hmm. where it's like, I you know I have these. Powers that I've harnessed from eldritch gods and sold my soul to—they move exactly fifteen feet and then sputter out. And <laughs> right. <go> right. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it, it takes all these things that really should be more narrative and more interesting right. and boils them down to like, here's these very specific yeah, right. numbers behind them, and you know, the the kind of like bad version of theater in the mind is you know, the DM has all those distances in his head and is like, no, oh, you are right. out of range, but <laughs> right. you can't see it. Right? Yeah. It's,
0: it's really easy to suck a theater of the mind. Right. Yeah. And it's, 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 I mean, it's probably pretty easy to suck a DD period. Um, and, and, and it, and God knows I've played gridded games with DMs where it didn't, you know, being on the grid did not help it. <laughs> like I was still pretty miserable. Yeah.
1: I guess, I guess my, my defense of the grid would be if you're just getting started and, kind of still getting comfortable with things, it's fine to, to, you know, treat it like a board game just to be yeah. like, okay, here's a map that I've bought from somewhere or, you know, comes in the uh, starter kit or whatever. Yeah, that's, and we're going to play this out that's on... the interesting bit though, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Neither the starter kit nor the essentials kit come with right. any kind of gridded op. They have no tokens. They have no gridded maps. Um, right, right, So I think there's... I'm seeing... I So my. I think that I don't, I don't have the data on hand, but I know I've done it. And I know that the, you know... By far, the majority of uh, D&D DMs that I was able to pull on Twitter, which was in the hundreds to per- perhaps thousands, was uh, they, they, they almost all exclusively used the grid. It was all, it was heavy, heavy on the grid and very little <laughs> on Theater of Mind. And I think that's why I hang on to it so much is that I feel like it's an underused tool, right? Sure. I don't, I don't feel like, you know, everybody should dump all of their, like, I'm going to go sell all my minis in Dwarven Forge and I'm going to- wanna-
1: if you want to do that, let me know first. Yeah, you send a U-Haul
0: my way and I'll just fill right. it up, fill up the back. So, um, although I have a funny story about somebody who did have a uh, five-gallon drum of miniatures from all of the miniatures that that Wizards and WizKids had ever produced and gave them all away. Wow. Uh, that person, Chris Perkins. Uh.
1: So
0: So, um, and then we'll talk about that because that's that to mm. me is a really interesting topic. That's something I was talking about with Enrique. Uh, so yeah, so one of the big questions I have for you, cause I think this is an area we have more experience than I have, but, but if, if we were to make those four buckets of gridded play, abstract map, and we can sort of describe what these mean, but you know sure. what I, you know what I mean, um, mm-hmm. relative distances like 13th age has and uh pure theater of the mind. Are there other combat styles you've seen in RPGs that are outside so, of
1: those? Those are the main ones that I know of, and part of that is because, as I said, like D&D and kind of offshoots of d d really have a lot of their, you know, their previous uh, editions baked into them where you know you know a fireball is a 30-foot sphere, right? And mm-hmm. it says that in the rules of like every edition to some extent, mm-hmm. um, where a lot of these other games that aren't built on that at all don't need to know those kinds of specificity. They don't have rules about like, you know, flanking whether it's optional or not. You know, these rules just don't exist. Right. So it doesn't matter as much, you know. And and when you sneak up behind somebody and stab them in the back, it's like more of a rare thing than, you know, the rogues go to move is to stab people when they're otherwise distracted. Yeah. Um. So a lot of a lot of other games just don't need these tools in the same way because. You know, the players don't care as much. Yeah, you know I've, never, I mean?
0: I've never seen anybody complain about not having a grid when they're playing gumshoe. Right. Right. You know, like they're playing Knights Black Agents. Nope, nobody's whipping out miniatures and putting out a big battle map.
1: <laughs> yeah. What what I actually find interesting about some of those games in to D D is, you know, we think of gridded as the like most tactical experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's true if you think of tactical as in like, you know, looking at it from a more game like perspective where you know you know exactly how many squares you can move or how many feet you can move and and how far your spells go and this that, and the other. But that actually takes away from like things you would think of as real tactics, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, the guys who are ducking behind cover and covering, laying covering fire right. while I'm going around the side. Like that doesn't happen nearly as much in D because the rules just don't support it. That's not the kind of tactics that exists there mm-hmm. and so when you look at other games like those things are are more emphasized as good things to do because that's the the kind of tactical mindset i want you into
0: right um so one of the things so like i guess you just just to help everybody sort of stay on the same page uh we can define i think it probably helps to sort of define those four buckets and then you know i i, I think most stuff fits in so yeah. obviously when we're talking about gridded play, we're primarily talking about five foot squares, some kind of two dimensional representation, a battle map or online with like roll 20 or something like that. Uh, You know, tokens and or miniatures that fit within those five foot squares that represent each of the actors in the game, each of the characters in the game Uh, and, you know, stuff like that. And, and, and all of the distances that we have in something like D and D, whether it was third, fourth or fifth, uh, all is either measured in like a five foot distance, you know, limited five foot distance or, um uh in fourth edition's case was actually measured by squares right or
1: yards randomly in there yeah every so often you get yards right that that makes my head (laughs) yes robert schwab why
0: so um uh then on the other side pure theater of the mind is just descriptive right that you're just you don't have any representation uh and you are just describing what's going on and it kind of fits the same interaction that all the rest of the game fits where you describe the situation player describes what they want to do you determine if there's rolling necessary Rolls are made checks are checked and then the results are described you know dm usually describes the results and you sort of keep in that cycle uh every round for things um then we have things like the abstract map which actually i think you know your description of how you play sounds like it's leaning on the left side of the abstract map closer to gridded combat than say fate Right, right where where fate has a zone and the zones could be arbitrarily big right
1: right the zones just care about like it gives you some sense of you know the important scenes and where people are within those scenes but it's not as much about distance but you also have things where like a range attack goes one zone over right and it's also about defining the environment so like this zone is the lava pits and next to that is you know the fountain and whatever and yeah and in, so, and
0: in Fate, a zone will have a descriptor, right? Uh, right. Uh, a, a, an an aspect. aspect. And the aspect mm-hmm. can be triggered, you know, a, an aspect can be triggered by character things in order to do something. So if it's right. a lava pit, it's like, I'm going to use my magic to draw a pillar of lava out of the lava pit and smack the giant in the face with it, right? And then you're right. sort of invoking the aspect of the, the zone.
1: Right. And in that way, it's closer to theater of the mind, I would say, like mm-hmm. you, because you know generally... You know where people are in these different kind of sub environments, right? But still, they're like the more nitty gritty when things are together is more descriptive and and uh, more general and more yeah. imaginative.
0: I don't know if Fate still like, and I can't remember if Fate condensed describes it this way, but they and, and I I know that people had done this where they would take three by five cards and they would write the name of the yep. zone and the aspects of the zone on a three by five card and set those out so you could kind of see like, oh, okay, this is what. This is what these three areas look like when they're combined. Right. I used I used to joke that it's gridded play, but the grids are 50 feet wide. Right? <laughs> right? Like it's a it's a grid, they're just huge. Um so then the other side, and I don't know a lot of games that do this, but maybe you know more than I do, uh, where they use relative distances to describe things it's pretty popular. And it's the idea that you have like things that are uh adjacent to you, things that are close by, things that are medium or things that are far. Uh, or things yep. that are grouped, right? And the, the game that I know that does this the most is 13th Age, which is yep. you know referred to as the love letter to D&D. Rob Hainso from 4th Edition and Jonathan Tweet from 3rd Edition put this game together after 4th Edition had sort of imploded and and made this new game. And the um, uh, it is completely built on this abstract distances. So all the spells and things will say like, Fireball says you can hit 1d3 grouped enemies or 1d6 if you're willing to have an ally in the group. Right.
1: That's yeah. The, and I really like that approach. That's probably the closest to to my approach when running D D. Mm-hmm. Um I I genuinely do miss in in D D for I probably haven't done this since second edition, the fireballs that were genuinely dangerous when you were throwing them because <laughs> they, they were would the would morph
0: they would morph around hallways and stuff and yeah, it was just all volume,
1: well, right? <laughs> volume was a problem. Yeah. It would just expand, you know, to to fill some of the space. Right. And you know, you you get into the third edition where you you can specifically say, well, you know, I'm targeting this specific point in this specific radius, and also I have the meta magic feat to ignore that square in it, right. and like that's that's basically persisted since third edition through the current edition, where yeah, it's just you basically too... just, you just never uh, yeah, I have think a like, risk. like
0: reflecting lightning bolts too was a thing, right? Like in, yeah, exactly. in second edition. And the only time that ever came up was when I was playing, like, the old AD&D uh, Gold Box games. Exactly. And I'd have some jackass character in a hallway. And the lightning would be able to go bouncing back and forth yeah. and hit him four times. <laughs> yeah. Or the yeah. first
1: time it, like, comes back to you and you're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> oh, no, why? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff I, I, I really do miss. Like, it just feels more magical to me. And mm-hmm. part of what I've done when ro- running D&D with those spells is that I tell people... You know, well, you can hit these two guys safely, or you can hit sure. twice it's that the, number. The deal,
0: right? The art of the yeah, deal. Exactly. Yes,
1: right. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think so. The I think mark.
0: I think I heard Rob Hainso first refer to that like as making making deals, right? And it was always yeah. like, sure, you could you know, you can hit four of them if you're willing to put one ally. And it's great. And a lot of times the ally's like, yeah, I'm good with that. Like, go ahead. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think I think when I was running my one on one game with Enrique, my favorite moment in that game was. When his sidekick was like, I could, you know, you're surrounded by dudes. I can throw a fireball. And he's like, Go ahead and do yeah. it. And like,
1: he throws it Bro. right at his head and blew
0: him and killed everybody around him. So right. much fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's funny. You, you you kind of bring up that like we we think of we think of uh, gridded play as the more tactical option, but like I regularly now use the Z axis in my descriptions. So like one of my my general rules is like, if you have an area spell you can almost always hit one target without worrying about anyone else because mm-hmm. it's a sphere, so you can put it right up above their head so only their head is included in the bottom of the sphere and it's up, it's right. up you know, above everyone else. And people are like, but it's a fireball. It's like, it's okay, right? Like, right. there's lots of angles. And it really gets fun when you're talking about beholders and their eye ray and how they can manipulate the eye yeah. ray. Or a dragon's cone breath, right?
1: Yeah, dude, cones are another area where it's like... <laughs> That's a very concrete thing that you have to abstract or make right. a very, very specific like, well, it's dragon's breath. It always, you know, yeah. it's a funnel shape always, you know.
0: Yeah, right. It's like, no, there's, I can pretty much turn a cone into anything from a circle to a line right. by right. the angle and direction that I choose. Um, it, it's one of the interesting things. Whenever I, whenever I kind of, you know, get fired up and, and talk about this on Twitter, uh, a couple of times I've had people who were like, there is no abstract combat in fifth edition. It is a gridded game. And I'm like, tell me how a fireball fits into that. Because a fireball is a circle and circles don't fit on a grid. <laughs> right. And they're like, well, you know, templates and right. like that. No, templates are not. It's described as radius. Right. Like these are circles we're dealing with. So it always, yeah. you know, it always kind of brings it up. And, and I think yeah, so your 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 description of like, you know, D&D pick they picked something. They picked 5 foot square resolution on their, you know. And I I had a chance to talk to Jeremy Crawford about this. Um I think when we were I don't remember we were talking about monsters or something, but it came up. And uh he had a pretty good argument, which was if you were going to pick one aspect to do it, you you the only way that you could support both narrative combat and gridded combat with one set of distances was to do something like a five-foot resolution because if you think about 13th age there is no way to go back to a grid on 13th age right there's there's no way to go you can you could do it on a grid but you're still using all those abstract distances there's no way to to reverse engineer a fireball back into a 30-foot radius it it, it doesn't have or 20, right, right. you know yeah so it true so so his argument was if you know what they tried to do, and they you know, they, they tried to do a lot of things. They tried to do in counterbalance, and that, that didn't work out. So sometimes things don't work out quite as well as we want. Um, although, well, I'll come back to that in a sec. So yeah, so so the argument was if you if you use five-foot distances that aren't squares, so it's not fourth edition, uh, and you ensure that generally speaking, you don't have any powers that really require something described in a spatial line. So if you look at like a rogue and backstab, the the rogue's backstab does not say you have to be in the opposite side of a creature. It just says you have to be next to a creature that has an ally in, you know, you have to be, you know, next to a creature that has an ally near it. And then you can get backstab, right? Uh, there's a lot of areas where they 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 talk about it in somewhat abstract terms. Right. Even though it's so, still like in a five foot area.
1: So re- remind me are there still races that have different speeds?
0: Yes. Yep. So there's still, so
1: yeah, right. That, that's part of where this breaks down for me uh, because yeah. like playing on a gridded game, you know, like halflings are at a mechanical, a very real mechanical disadvantage that just kind of goes away. Yeah. When, when you, you move describe styles. Right. Yeah. Right. And like, I, I think those rules are, like, I'm not in favor of them existing altogether, right. but it's part, it's, it's one thing that you, you are basically dropping from your rule sets yeah. to move to this other mode, which, you know, it's fine, do it, you know, do what's best for your game, but at the same time, like, if it's going to be baked into the game that way, but you can be, like, if you're wishy-washy about it, and you're like, well, you know, halflings can only run 20 feet, but if you're running the you theater of the mind and it doesn't matter, you know, right. but it really is a concrete difference right like yeah there are class abilities that give you more speed there's yep. spells that do that kind of thing and so i i think it brings to like I, I wish they had gone a little bit more into the you know either choose a side or provide mm-hmm. better guidelines all around or yeah factories. so that's
0: that 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 to me is the biggest the biggest failing that that If you look at, well, so, and here's, here's, I mean, not to just bag on Watsy, but we'll just have, we'll have bag on Watsi time, right? It's half an hour into the show. We get five minutes to bag on Watsi. And one of the, so, yeah, it, 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 the interesting, the interesting bit of, of weird cyclic problems here is that, A, there's, I think, three paragraphs of text in the Dungeon Master's Guide that is there to help people run Theater of the Mind. And it's the descriptions of uh, targets in an area of effect. It's the only thing they have there. And in the D between the DMG and Xanathar's guide, there's like 30 pages about how to figure out how to do grid stuff, including a yeah. bunch of goofy things about like, here's how to line up dice in order to figure out what a fireball looks like. And you're like, who has like 36? I mean, I know you do, but who has like 36 six lying around, right? That they're right, going to use right. in order to build a fireball template. So, right. so there's so many pages spent on gridded different options to do gridded play. It's got facing right. rules. It's got hex rules. It's got... All these different sort of options, and yet it only has three paragraphs. Of I know everybody in chat's like, I have that many dice. I'm, I know, I know you do. I know if you're here, you probably have plenty of d6s. So um, there's so many options, and yet they only have three paragraphs. But here's the thing that really is weird. A- according to Crawford, everybody at Watsy plays with Theater of the Mind now. And when I yeah. talked earlier about you know Chris Perkins giving away a you know five gallon drum of miniatures. That's because he plays in theater of the mind, and if you look at their examples of gameplay on YouTube and all the shows that they do and everything like that, it's all theater of the mind. And yet they don't offer any guidance to help yeah. people run theater of the mind. So yeah, I I I I think yeah, probably you and I, I I think you agree. I think I'm agreeing with what you had said
1: before, which is like help help a dude out, right? right. Like give well, us. I, think it, I I think the argument cuts in both directions too. So, you know what? There's there's the book "The Monsters Know What They're Doing." That yeah. you know, gives you. The tactical advice, and it's a great book, yeah, but it's not written by Watsy. But no. it's like considered by so many to be this essential mm-hmm. thing of like getting mm-hmm. you know knowledge of, of monster tactics and how to run them effectively, right? Yeah, yep. and like that's not anywhere in the books either. Nope. That's yeah. like you get the sentence of like Cobalt's like to gang up or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, it's not really giving you actionable table advice, so but you know, the, the rules that they put in the book, mm-hmm. you know, that they're giving you more stuff on are pushing you towards that style. Right. And yeah.
0: Shameless plug. I, uh, on the previous DMs deep dive had Keith Amon, the author of, uh, monsters know what they're doing on the show where we talk specifically about monster tactics. And what I really thought was an interesting way that he handled it, which is he start he's also talking about the fiction. So I love right. how in that book, how he talks about, uh, the attributes that a monster has and what that means about how the monster behaves in the world. So it's even more than just like the nitty gritty of like, you know, how to, how to have your, your Kobolds gank a dude. It was, you know, it really got into like how they would act given the stats that they've got, which I thought was a really, it's an important yeah. thing that DMs, that DMs can learn. But yeah, I, I mean, so like I've, I've now written, I think four variants of guidelines for, uh, to try to help people run theater of the mind combat because Again, not because I think I'm going to get everybody to switch over from the grid or it's my preferred style of play because, again, m- Mountain of Dwarven Forge upstairs. But I-, I love to have all these ranges, right? I love, <laughs> as, a- as a DM, I want every tool I can get to help me tell a story. And there are many times where I'd prefer to tell a story where combat is a quick thing. We just describe it. We don't drop to a grid. We don't need all the complicated play. and And it can move and cycle very quickly and then go back to aspects of the story that aren't combat. Uh, just like I want to be able to run a thousand skeletons in a battle. Right. And it's Mm. like, I'm not pulling out my, I don't have a thousand. I have a lot of minis. I don't have a thousand skeleton minis, but I I have some nice and easy rules. Yeah. Right. I got to go buy more skeletons. I'm sure Reaper's got a Kickstarter I can get into. Probably. So, um, you know, but so I want tools to help me run lots and lots of monsters. I want tools to help me be able to balance an encounter quickly or not balance it, but recognize is this, am I going to kill them all? Right. Is this battle over overdone? Or is, right. it, or is it, you know, is it on par with, with what I expect? And a lot of these, like, the game doesn't have, you know... Those, I picked those three because those are, like, my three big buckaboos. Um, but I, you know... But the community can kind of jump in and fill in these. And I think they have. Like, monsters know what they're doing. And it's frustrating because you're like, where the hell's is in all of this, right? I know. That's, that's my main point. <laughs> right? And, like, yeah.
1: You know, decisions were made to... Right. ...go these directions, but then not support them enough. Yeah. And- yeah, I mean... Yeah. You know, and one obviously one thing they didn't predict was the rise of all the actual play, you know, Twitch shows and whatnot. Sure. Um, but, but like Tasha's just came out. Yeah. So yeah we, no, we have
0: a book that's 50% DM stuff supposedly. It's right. like a lot of DM stuff and I got 12 pages of puzzles. Yeah. But I got no one page to help me out with running through the Mind combat which they're all doing. And and I think it's like, you know, yeah, I've had this conversation with other people at Watsi too, and they're like, "Well, what do you want us to say?" Because there's so many different ways, you know, like what, and you're like, "Well, you pick, you pick sides with these other things, <laughs> right?" So, well, and that's the thing, like,
1: D D is so many people's first game, right? And especially now, more people are trying to get into it, yeah. But you're just kind of hanging them out to dry, and that's yeah. like the stuff that is obvious to us. That what do you want us to say is like, here's. Here's the basics, you know, and I know you've written a yeah. bunch of articles about it, like this show is yeah. an attempt to kind of get there, but it's, it's-
0: Yeah, but I can only reach who I can reach, and there's right. 20 million then, players out there.
1: <laughs> they put out like a, you know, a player's handbook tailored towards people who have seen nothing but critical role, you know, and takes right. out a lot of that stuff- <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: The other thing we like, I think, uh, I think our bagging five minutes is over, but you know, the other thing is like, I mean, the dungeon master's guide in general is a pretty poor way to tell people how to run their games. Like, I'm like, seriously, you're going to start with the planes of existence and the gods like that, you know, not helping me make an adventure, right? Like I got, I got people coming over at eight o'clock tonight. I could really use some help. And I'm like, well, I'll write a book about that. Right. Like I'll, I'll try to help. I'll try to help some people out. So like, uh, oh man, we just got a big party. A bunch of people just showed up in our Twitch chat. So, um, let's see. I totally jumped off the thing. Uh
1: We had our rant time.
0: Oh, we had our rant time. So, yeah, so I guess one I how how can we use the other styles of play? We've talked about the theater of the mind a lot, and we've talked about gridded play a lot. But like when we talk about, so you said when you run 5E, you run it more abstract. Right? A little yeah. bit. Like you're not you're not quite concerned about squares. Yeah. Um,
1: and you know, I have tons of Poster maps from
0: yeah
1: you know, right years of D and D that I still love using right and yeah yeah they actually help me plan you know adventures. right and, you were
0: yeah your 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 tip about start with a map right was a, yeah. a a tip that I've hung on to if you're having trouble with inspiration on how your adventure is going to go grab a battle map and build something around it
1: <laughs> it's yeah, a, yeah it's a
0: but it, it's yeah, a fine way to also, go
1: you know I don't want to get bogged down in counting squares or discouraging people from a thing they want to do. So, you know, I run it more loosely like, okay, you know, this area generally you can get to within a move action, Mm -hmm. you know, this far away would take your whole turn or you can use range attacks and like set things, set the scene that way and then, you know, people might cluster up as people attack Mm -hmm. one another. I can put the minis next to each other so you know like you're engaged with the orc and you're, you know, off to the side. Fine, you know, we can See that as a whole, but I'm yeah. also not worrying about the, the nitty gritty of, of counting anything. It's the yeah.
0: The big thing. So I guess I guess that could be sort of a useful conversation. If we look at the if we look at the four style, generally the four buckets, what would you say are sort of the advantages and disadvantages of an in of each bucket? So let's start with gridded play and work our way out. So what would you say are like? I mean, what what are, what are some of the advantages that come to your mind with with running play on a grid?
1: yeah uh everyone's on the same page right Mm -hmm. you're not you don't have to start your turn asking a lot of the the questions that you need in a lot of these other styles right you can always just you know look at the map and count for yourself um i think it's the easiest to to get into both to run and to you know when you're starting to learn or you know even if you're playing in like a competitive setting of some kind Mm -hmm. you know i mean like you know, old tournament modules and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it does make a certain amount of sense to to do it there, or something that needs to be standardized. I think it makes a lot of sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and 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 it is it is it sort of hits on other like you're using a whole other sense, right? You're, you're yeah. using you know s- certainly sight, but also potentially touch. And yeah. you know, miniatures <laughs> are pretty and fun.
1: I was going to say that does <laughs> right. you know probably the number one. Bonus is that we get to use all the cool toys we bought. Yeah, right, right. And that's not nothing, you know.
0: Yeah, well, that's right. So it's not nothing, and it and it I definitely mean,
1: nowadays it's not so much. But you know, when we have gaming in person.
0: Yeah, right, right. Well, I mean, even still, though, like the artwork is fun. So, like, I I'll go out and specifically look for fun artwork for the tokens that I that I use when I'm doing games on a virtual tabletop because. You know, it's like, yeah, the Watsi ones are fine, but I, you know, I, I like big face pictures that I can see right. easily. So I'll go and make tokens for it. Um, I've,
1: uh, I've actually been doing, uh, Hero Forge. Yeah, yeah, designing the minis and then like taking screenshots and oh, that's cool. Pulling those out because yeah. I, I can tell the players like go in, customize yourself, you know, and, and then you'll make a token for it. Yeah, and then we'll just drop the token in. That's really cool. That's really cool.
0: Um. So it's funny because some of those advantages are also its disadvantages, right? That like if, you know, maps and minis, one of the things that has driven me crazy is like, you know, I I think like you, I don't know. Are you a big minis collector? I can't remember. I mean, I know that one time you did take a ancient red dragon uh, all the way on a train from Washington, D.C. to Boston. Well...
1: You'll recall, also the year before that, I took a backpack full of Dwarven Forge, similarly.
0: <laughs> and it was the old ceramic Dwarven Forge,
1: yeah, right? It's not yeah. the
0: nice, lightweight plastic no, stuff they're making that's, now. That's, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yep. yeah. So, like, <laughs> I feel like, boy, did we get It's sort of like investing in the stock market early. Like, I got minis when they were 15, 20 cents each. Right, and I have buckets and buckets of them, and now they're like two and a half dollars a piece. Yeah. So it's it's nearly impossible to build a reasonable collection of miniatures, uh, you know, and have all the and still I never have all the mini. So I'm always one troll short. Right? right. It's like I never have all the minis that
1: I need. And uh, I've got that I do it the opposite way, where I find the stuff first, yeah, and then and like... customize. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but you know, like. Products are still coming out, like starter kits and whatnot that have tokens in them. And then I'm like, "But I have this pile of tokens. I like they're very nice, but I have all these minis, right. and then the tokens sit in like a different drawer, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. they just pile up as well, you know." Yeah,
0: yeah. So there's there's a high expense that can you know, and it's nearly an unlimited expense when it comes to miniatures, right? Of right. of uh you know the collection that you can build. God help you on Dwarven Forge. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that, that's, that, that has a steep, a a steep curve. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you, you nailed, you nailed, uh, you know, you nailed it on the head with like, there's an aspect of, of, of player and player agency that comes with gridded play that I think you lose the more, the more abstract, the mother may I sort of style that comes to when you, when you have sort of either abstract distances or, um, uh, certainly with theater of the mind. Right. So if we look at, yeah, go ahead.
1: I'll just, you know, and no amount of rules or styles is going to prevent a jerk DM from being a jerk, but at yeah. least you you can gloss over some of those issues if you can see what's going on and you're not negotiating all the time.
0: Yeah, I've so this is a I don't know if it's a bias on my part. It's it's a you know I've I, I certainly in my own experience. This is this has been true that when I've in, in particularly in online play. Uh, they've had these sort of big online conventions and you could go and sign up for them. And I have found that by specifically avoiding the ones that use a VTT, I've had better games. Ah, and it, and I, I think, I, you know, to me, my, and again, like it's a potentially biased opinion. It's been rare when I've seen somebody run theater of the mind and be a jerk. Right, it's like if they're if they've got to the point where they're running theater of the mind. Most of the time, if they have experience in it, they recognize the fact that they're working with the player to make things happen more so right. than they're trying to challenge them.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I'll give one minor counter example, sure. and I don't want to throw the guy under the bus, but <laughs> <laughs> the, the DM I had in, in undergrad was a math professor, and he was a great DM, and I, I love him a bits. But um, you know, he would run theater of the mind, and this was third edition. And he would have all the distances in his head all the time, <laughs> and none of the rest of us had any clue. And he would do things like switch between feet and yards, and <laughs> angles and stuff. It's like, and what's the problem? Right. Yeah, he How's wasn't trying to be a jerk. Right. He just, you know, is a math professor, and right. you know that stuff came easily to him. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah,
0: I'm so, sure. I'm sure it happens, and I know that, like, you know, again, a jerk DM who's like a tyrant rather than a facilitator um right. is is will be bad with whatever tools they use yeah. um and this, I, I wonder if that'd be you know worse with me where whenever anybody asks me a distance I say 25 feet and they're like mm-hmm. wait a minute but I've been figuring all of these things out that you've been saying there's no way all these things can be I'm like just it's 25 feet away I'm like but that other mm-hmm. thing was also 25 feet away and you said it's 25 feet away from this I'm like I don't know they <laughs> on a line what do you want what do you want me to say <laughs> I mean, what, what distance would you like him to be <laughs> right? right um so, uh, what would you say are some of the? So, so I think uh, a lot of people that I've talked to, the middle ground is this idea of abstract of an abstract battle map, right? And this is like second edition. Everybody did it this way. There weren't published gridded maps, right? There were Chessex yet, you know, hadn't started coming out with wet erase battle maps yet, and um, like you know, for for my first you know third of the my life playing D anD D, we took out like pieces of paper and drew drew stuff out right and like dragons here you guys are here what do you want to do right um so so i think it's sort of a it's it, it's a good middle ground between the flexibility of theater than mind and the the being able to see it right it's <clears> that that idea of like well we're all on a common ground because we're all looking at the same picture uh what's what's your kind of experience with that and what would you say are the advantages and disadvantages of of sort of an abstract you know an abstract map
1: yeah, I mean, and so start with the, some of the disadvantages is that you can sometimes get the worst of both worlds, right? Mm-hmm. So you still have, to, you're still pulling out miniatures, you're still, you know, putting stuff down for everybody to see, but you're still ha- having to have conversations on what is permissible and what's not. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as often as pure theater of the minds, but definitely more o- often than pure gridded. Um, so you still get those speed bumps occasionally in in the flow of it. But the advantages for me is, you know, I, I get to I get to use all my cool toys. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to avoid some of these arguments by um, just having everything laid out in front of everyone. And again, for me, because I can't keep a lot of these things in my head, um, you know, as a DM, it's like I need to be able to present a consistent picture to my players, and that's the best way that I can do that. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a you know, even if my players were super good at it you know, which always players are to various extents have mm-hmm. skills are not in that area. Uh, it, it's a way for all of us to like get on the same page as far as, you know, how close these particular things are.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you said that and some of the, dis- what, what would some of the disadvantages of that be? I guess you said them um, that like, you're still arguing about some of the nitty gritty details, right? And like, right. how, how and, big is my fireball on this abstract map? And yeah, he, are like, these guys in it? Yeah.
1: Stuff like that with the fireball, I think is, is more where it ends up being a problem where, mm-hmm. you know, there are these, these spells that you're, you're used to from previous editions or video games or whatever and looking and acting a particular way and then you kind of have to pull out to that middle distance of, well, we know from the description of the spell it goes 150 feet. So, right. you know, you reach up to somewhere around here, but then, Figuring out exactly who's in the blast and who's not everyone's always going to be like well i pointed over here so it only gets those two bad guys and you know you still get that and you know me as a dm i might want to say but you could maybe get more and you know put that danger back in it or you know introduce some other kind of complication but you just can't do that in the same way right? right right right
0: Yeah. I've, I've, I've definitely seen people overlay the grid back on top of an abstract map, right. Where yeah. they're, they're, you know, right. you you sort of have it and you're like, don't, you know, I've said it like, don't worry about it. Particularly God help you. If you have a map that has a grid on it, but you're like, d- right. ignore the grid. They're like, there's right. no way they're going to yeah. be able to ignore the grid. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, but that's yeah. another for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, a, a yeah. lot of times recently I've been grabbing like Dyson logo maps, and I'll throw them in as a, a VTT. And they often have 10-foot squares. So I'm like, all these squares are 10 feet. And everyone's like, I can't, you know, like, uh, yeah. my head's breaking. Right? The buy yeah, buy like you team. can only move three squares, you know? You can't move six squares. And yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so like, so I've seen people where like they can't quite, you know, when you have a map, they start to affix specific distances, even though that doesn't work. And, you know, an abstract map as, as well. Uh, one thing I, I love about, abstract maps is some one reason why I love D and D overall um, is that it can cost anywhere from basically zero to as much as you want to spend. Right, so you can get like a three by five card and a pencil you stole at the dog track, and you can you know draw out your whole map on there of you're fighting Tiamat, you know the the, the right. goddess of dragons. She's here. You guys are over here. Twenty five evil wizards are over here, right? And you can you can draw out these incredible battles on like with just a pencil and a piece of paper, right? Or well, you can, you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Or you can you know cash out your your you know 20 year 401k and buy you know literally a hundred thousand dollars of stuff right and you know build out and get a massive gaming table and build these like four foot high you know 10 foot long battle dioramas with every miniature on it and it can still be the same general rules right it's still the, the, the 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 abstraction can still can still be there um so yeah, it, it it I I think that it's my I think the abstract battle map is probably my preferred uh of the various styles because of that, so right?
1: We've come to we've actually come to consensus. We started on opposite ends and kind of I have a middle. feeling
0: we were in the middle all along. Okay, fine. <laughs> it's the friends we've made along the way.
1: Right, so right.
0: <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think like like so one of the things that I have that I that I started doing because I, I, I had to learn how to play online like a lot of people and I never really had. And I went from zero to 100, at, you yep. know, in, in, in a week, literally in a week. I had to like, I don't know. And I fall in love with Discord as my platform to run games. And I'm not a big fan of the heavier VTTs. Um, so lots of people love roll 20. Lots of people love fantasy grounds. Lots of people love, um, what's the, what's the one that's got everybody's attention these days? Uh, foundry. So, yeah. you know, some big ones. Uh, I have a, uh, a one that I've fallen in love with called Albert rodeo. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you seen Albert rodeo? I've looked at it. I love Albert rodeo. So the thing I love is like, there's no accounts. There's no login. You just fire up a map. It's got no mechanic connection to it. So you do all your mechanics in another system and you just yep. move tokens around in a map and it has a bunch of default tokens, which means if you need to set up something right now, you can just do it, right? You don't need I've to.
1: actually, I've been using uh, one that sounds similar and it's actually a business tool that started to be repurposed for gaming. Hmm. It's called Miro, hmm. M-I-R-O. I've heard of it. I haven't tried it. It's it's like a big business whiteboarding system that you can share with any number of people, right? Yeah. And the person who introduced me is Rob Donahue, who's the master sure. of oh, yeah, yeah. taking business stuff and turning it yeah. into gaming. Yeah. Um, but it, it it's really good for it because you can drop in, you know, because it's like this massive space you can just zoom in and zoom out. So you can drop the character sheets directly on, so they're all right there. Yeah. You can drop whatever map you want, so you can drop images in to make the tokens. Even little widgets, you know, like I actually put a dice roller mm-hmm. thing in it for when people need it, you know, or just roll to the side. And also, you've got tables so I can like sort the initiative from, yeah, that's cool, you know, the table that's in there, yeah. and it's all shared among everybody. So,
0: yeah, but yeah. you
1: can also, you know, the owner of the account can lock things down so people aren't like. Dragging things accidentally. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of that. We have it. I've yeah, had the exactly. accidental
0: player come and delete every object that I drew because it's one button to delete everything, and I'm like, ah, nope. where did it all go? Nope. I'm sorry. Yep. um But yeah, what I when I so I've been primarily playing with with sort of you know probably the most abstract of abstract maps you can have, which is like a text list pasted into the text chat of 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 uh discord that mm-hmm. has you know I, I i think of it like a um uh like darkest dungeon if you ever played darkest dungeon you know you got four guys on the left you got four guys right. on the right and and there's a one-dimensional map right there's no there's no spatial play but you know you can see like who's close to who and who's far right. away and so i'm di- i'm doing that but it's top to bottom and it's like if you have two names that are right next to each other that means they're adjacent if there's a space that means there's space if there's dash 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 that means it's like Twenty-five feet, right, right. and so it, it it has that sort of fate-style zone aspect, um, and it it has it's worked pretty well. It gives ju- you know, it's it's like the bare minimum of a visual representation, uh, mm-hmm. but it's something that my wife and I came up with after after thinking about how we could do more combat in theater of the mind, but offer something, uh, right. you know, that was still just pure Discord without having to go to a third-party tool at all and mm-hmm. um and so that's what we did but then alber has made it so fast for me to set things up that i that i've been yeah. doing a little bit more alber but i still like the text best you know that i call it like a text based combat tracker right. Right? right and it's but it is like the most abstract you it's, can get
1: it's like a roguelike uh yeah. right that's exactly <laughs> you know
0: which is to me great right because i'll say another interest you know something that i've, I've, I've said before and I've, I've done i mean a little tiny bit of sciencey kind of stuff mostly asking my wife like on a scale of one to ten how much do you like tonight's game and uh, it was how much of my so, so this is really just a model of how my wife likes games but i've asked other people too and i think it's pretty clear which is the difference between a really really nice combat display and a, a really really bad one has maybe a five to ten percent effect On the enjoyment of the game overall that you know it's it's uh, you know a good good games are generally good games regardless of what kind of map was used or how high quality the map was and my my favorite example is like the probably the i think it's probably the second worst game now because i had another bad one but like one of my worst games i ever ran had like my biggest dwarven forge setup that i've ever Set up, you know, certainly in the last couple of years. And people hated the game. And it wasn't because of the Dwarven Forge, it was because, like, right. it was just downer after downer after downer to get hit by specters and falling into traps and right, getting right, their asses right. kicked in rooms. And they're, and they're like, the whole the, the layout didn't make any sense. And they're like, this, you know, they're like, this sucked, you know. And,
1: well, so I do think that points to, though, <clears throat> maybe using some of these things sparingly, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's, it's really an extension of the right tool for the right situation. Right tool for the
0: right job, yeah.
1: So, you know, the. You know, I don't have nearly as much Dwarven Forge as you do. Um, But, you know, I've done big set pieces, like, you know, not touching it at all for several games, but then the, like, climactic dungeon yeah. is the one where the Dwarven Forge comes out, right? And so it's yeah. more memorable, It sure. you know, states yep. more. Um, you know, and, and even if, like, the combat's leading up to that or the way you get to through the dungeon is all theater of the mind or, or what mm-hmm. have you, mm-hmm. then the final room, it's like, okay now it's serious you know and that's yeah the... sure
0: yeah it's great and i still love doing you know great big dwarven forge setups for boss fights and stuff like that is fun i even yeah. ran dwarven forge remote you know by taking pictures and putting a camera over it you know i haven't done it recently but i did it at least once where we built a big yeah. a big display and then kind of shine lights on it and that, that's fun and it's still a lot of like hey can you move me two squares no 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 over to the left no 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 the other left no no yeah <laughs> like ah
1: <laughs> need to get like cell phones that have like a, a stand and then we can just drop it into the dungeon and like. Yeah, move it moves around. So
0: there's a there's another uh, I think it, it's I don't know if it, I guess it's a VTT company, but there's like a board game slash RPG uh, virtual conference thing where players can zoom in. They, they can zoom yeah. in on a particular part that they want that's, from the camera that's showing.
1: That's Vorpal board, right?
0: Is that for, yeah, Vorpal board. Right, right, right. Yep. And they yep. can even point at stuff, right? They can even have a little pointer and be like over here. And that way you can be right. like, oh, that's where it goes. So yep. I haven't tried that out, but I know the Dwarven Forge people have used that for, for some of their online games when they were stuck. Uh, right. we, we have a question. Do you, uh, do, you think maybe, uh, do you think making a map can hinder spontaneous building on the fly? Like if you want to generate a door that led to where, uh, that uh, led so where they could bypass a region that was on a time crunch. So yeah, do you think that Having sort of a pre, a pre-built map hurts the spontaneity uh, or the, your ability to improvise when you're when you're running a game. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it can. Um, part of it depends on your own strengths and weaknesses as a GM. So, like I, I can't draw like anything really. Mm-hmm. You know, I will often just tell my play- like one of my players, especially Danny the architect. You know. To- <laughs> The room for me and give him rough dimensions and whatnot, right? Um, because you know it's going to be like a squiggly mess if I do it, so like, yeah, I, I might be giving up a little bit in terms of, well, I can add the secret door here, but I generally think, you know, to some extent, you want people to have engaged their imaginations even when it's on a map and to be able to say, like, well, this here, like, you remove the rock and there's a spiral staircase down. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to put out on the map an actual thing that represents that or at worst I can put like a generic colored marker to say that's what that is. Right. Right. So I I think you can still have that kind of effect um, just maybe not as a wider scale as you might want to do.
0: Yeah. 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 I've, I've, I've run into circumstances where like I'll use a map and I'll grab, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Dyson logos now. Because it's like, I never have to draw a map again. There's a thousand different maps on that site. And I'm pretty sure if I have an idea for something, he's had it already. And, um, but every so often I'll have it where like there's some kind of element in the room that's not on the map, but I know is there. And boy, it confuses you. Like, no, in that corner is this thing. And I'm like, but it's not there. But the no, trust me, it's there. <laughs> or, or like I had one. <laughs> I think the worst one I did was like, they were like, "Is that a secret door in the lower right?" I'm like, "Nope, there's nothing there." And then later, like the monsters use the secret door. And they're like, "You, you told us it wasn't a secret." I'm like, "I lied," you know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so there've been times where, like, I'll
1: again, you know. no, no matter rules can prevent a jerk DM.
0: <laughs> exactly. All right, a perfect, perfect example of the, uh, you know, can't, can't help, can't help a bad, a bad DM um we only touched on it a little bit uh do we want to talk about the and maybe again if there are other games that use it the 13th age style of uh abstract distances so it's not it's not really zone based it's more of this close you know adjacent close medium far and grouped and stuff like that have you have you seen other
1: systems that use that no that, that's another one that comes to mind i mean there are others that, i think
0: numenera like that. i think numenera does it i think the cypher system uses that too
1: yeah, I don't know of any others that's, you know, strongly lean on as much. What what really makes it in thirteenth age that um you know it's only partially portable to something like D D is the thing where the spells are, are yeah written that way from the ground up. So like you were saying, you can't like reverse engineer stuff mm-hmm. necessarily on the fly, you know, for how many targets. Although I don't know, that might make an interesting article to write up <laughs> uh, Yeah change D&D spells to, to operate
0: in that fashion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, th- I think I had... I, yeah, right. So you you can't... I've never had anybody try to deconstruct it, right? I've never... I, when I ran, I ran a lot of 13th Age for a while, and and I used battle maps, and I used Dwarven Forge and all kinds of stuff. And I never had... The only time it was confusing was sort of the same thing we were talking about, where they would say, like, are these guys all considered grouped? Or is that yeah. considered, you know... The, the weird bit that I had is that the distances are... They are, they are dependent upon the actor. So if you have a, a guy that's one place and you say, well, that guy's far, is he far from everybody or is he only far from that person? And he's actually now far from this person, but close to this person. And you, you get all these sort of like, the, the distances are actually changing as the actors are moving back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. Things that were grouped suddenly become grouped. And there was a couple of, with 13th age, there were a couple of distances that were like, how do you know without having a, visual description a group grouped was one of them like uh, unless you defined it or you didn't you know it was hard to um you know grouped was a strange one it also yeah. uh it also had that idea of intercepting, right where yes. where you you, a,
1: yeah one of the parts, yeah
0: yeah it was sort of their opportunity attack you know their way of sort of handling opportunity attacks was if a monster had not act i can't remember the exact rule but it was like if you moved by somebody they could zip up and suddenly engage with you right and right. it was it was sort of this interesting reaction event that i think was pretty unique and I don't think is in any of the other sort of you know uh uh d20-ish you know d and mm-hmm. d ish d and d ish sort of systems
1: right and again that's one of those things that introduces a different kind of tactics because you know you can do things where like the paladin can sit in front of the wizard and right you know, yeah you just like run around which is you can do in a lot of other yeah. things it's the paladin will always be able to like Intercept what's coming, you know. Yeah, I think that it it adds a fiddly part to it, though.
0: Right. It added this whole other, this whole other sort of, sort of weird thing. It's funny because I think I played 13th Age mostly with minis and maps. So Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really know what it would have been like to run that completely vocally. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so it, was, it I don't know. It's it it's it was an interesting it's an interesting style. One, one of the things I think that kind of gets to is that idea of like sort of describing you know describing intent both on the player side. If the paladin says, Hey, I'm gonna try to stand and I've had this when I've run through the Mind games. So the paladin says, I want to stand between the enemies and our wizard. Right. And you're like, okay, that's a thing. And you're like, you're not gonna be a dick and be like, well, they squeeze around you. Right? Yeah, exactly. You say, like, no, the, that's what the player wanted, right? There's no good reason unless, you know, unless you could say to them well, you're surrounded, so mm. you can't block the wizard from everybody because there's a group from behind as well, right? Right. Or they're um, juking
1: left and splitting up, and right. Which side do you want to go after? Yeah. Or
0: one guy will come up, take you know, the you know, a bunch of guys rush, try to rush past you to get to them. I take an opportunity to that. Great, you did that one, but now the other ones get there, right? Mm-hmm. So there's still there's still these options. The same is true on the monster side, where you can say things like the wizard's in the back and he's got his three ogres up front. That are blocking you from getting there, like the wizard had mm. that intent too, right? The wizard's like, I, I don't want to get jacked by a, you know, smiting paladin, so I've got my three big ogres out there, right? Um, so yeah, that 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 continual ideal idea of like, what's the what is the overall intention of what's going on more so than like the position and things like that. Like all of the actors right. are trying to do things, you know, what is it they're trying to do and making that clear.
1: Yeah, um, and again, I think this is somewhere. That I wish were more supported in D anD D, where, like, with your example, where you have the line of ogres and you have the wizard behind, and you know, the the cool thing would be the rogue to like do some flying sure. acrobatic flip over, and yeah, that would be awesome, right? But yeah. the thing is, the the rules don't necessarily encourage you to do that kind of thing, or yeah, if necessarily-
0: yeah, they don't. Um, you know, and I think this is another one where I filled in the gaps for so long that it, it shocks me that there isn't, you know, I'm like, no, that rule's in there. No, no, I made that up five years ago. Right. But that, that you know, the constant rule, this is, I, I wrote an article about this recently called cinematic advantage. And it was based on the idea that like ha, about, ha, I think it was roughly about half of uh, 5e DMs that I surveyed use flanking rules. Right. And then the other half don't. And And because it's an optional rule in the DMG, it's not part of the base, but it's so familiar to people that they've been, they've been putting it in there. And, and I, I argued for the fact of, like, well, why instead of flanking, why not put an idea of cinematic advantage, which is this, like, if you take a risk and you roll a check, you can get advantage because of a circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that, like, not only are you able to sort of run up to the ogre and run up his, you know, his warhammer and, and bop him on the head and do a backward flip, but if you do so, not only can you get to the wizard, you'll have advantage, but right. it's a tricky-ass move. So that's a DC 17 athletics check or acrobatics check for you to pull it off. Right. And if you fail, you're prone in front of the ogres.
1: Right? And, and yeah. so you can, it's, also, it's a cool way to, to bring other skills yeah. in a way that doesn't necessarily like, right. you know, you're more looking at well. I've got my, all my combat stuff, but you know, being able to bring in other skills, I think lends the whole thing to be more rich. Yeah. You know, if you remember one of my, my drum beats about 4E was to have combat outs to have. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, we needed I, them I because anyway. if, if you didn't have a combat out, it'd be three in the morning before your battle's over.
1: Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually feel that like less so, but I still feel like that's a thing in 5E. Sure. Oh, yeah. 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 But yeah. anything that gets those skills in the game where you can accomplish other things, right. you know, as part of your actions and add more character to it, Uh, uh. Really can, yeah, I can think
0: the, I think the combat out kind of led me into this, this this you know sort of the concept which is like I don't I don't think of scenes as the pillars. So like a combat scene isn't just combat. It, you 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 can also have yeah. banter, and you can also be exploring, and you can also be interacting with things, you know. And I did I ran a I ran a a a, a final uh, session of an Eberron game I've been running for the past year. And holy cow, everything was happening in that. Like I I planned the whole session just for one battle, but everything in in that was happening in the battle, including like, you know, using an arcane gate to pull away like the whole center crystal that was powering everything else. And then everything, you know, remember the Medusas I was mentioning before? Uh, All their heads exploded because the the energy that was being conducted by this crystal was, you know, no longer there. And now it's just raw energy being shot out. You know, so they all, they
1: all blew up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just one of the, my other drum beats to this day is that combat and role playing are not opposites. Yeah, that's exactly
0: right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's that, you know, a long time ago they were talking about like the unfortunate, the unfortunate smash cut of the roll for initiative, right. Of like, you, you have this whole scene and then suddenly you're doing bookkeeping. Right. You know, and and it's it's you know it's unfortunate that it doesn't kind of roll in popcorn. You know, I think popcorn initiative is a good way to to sort of get past that, right? You don't you don't popcorn initiative. You immediately just kind of give it, you know, passing the ball back and forth.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we kind of invented that for Marvel Heroic. Yeah, and you know, I've used it in a few games since for for some of those reasons.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So I think there are there are other there are you know there are other games than these. <laughs> you know, and and some of them have some some real interesting ways. Uh, what are any other any other sort of final thoughts about this uh, this topic that uh, you, you're dying to get out?
1: No, we, have, we, we, covered have, we, have it. we
0: squeezed this one as much as we can, getting all the, I so. the juices I mean, out?
1: And again, you know, like we've been saying all along, these are none of these are like when you boot up your D game, you yeah, have to right. pick stick to it, Right. look for opportunities, you know. Actually, the one thing I will throw in here, and, you know, we, we talked briefly about the the fate zones and those kinds of ideas of, like, these big areas. Um, I particularly like those for, like, dynamic dungeon battles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because then you have multiple rooms where things are going on, and I think that often is something that gets ignored by d as well. Like, you find the monsters in the one room, and you fight them, and maybe one guy comes in from the side, but you stay in that room. But if you are more spreading things out where, like, you start in this one zone, which is the dungeon room you came into, but then there's multiple things happening in different parts that are expanding from there. I think that's a good way to to represent that without, like, having to build out a lot of map or having to, like, constantly just say, well, the room, you know, three places to your west makes a gong noise and the one to the north is this. You know, it's a Way to do that that's fairly easy to follow up, but does those dynamic multi-area scenes pretty yeah, well.
0: they can kind of be, that's the other thing, you know, again, like I don't want my tools to limit me. And and one of the things that like, you could probably do that at like the multi-planier level, right, that yeah. like you could have a battle across Sigil where you're jumping from world to world to world, you mm-hmm. know, and like, oh, now you're an you're Avernus and you got to watch out
1: for the you know, pit fiends. Oh, now you're in, you know. So, and you're like, well, hold on, I've got to set up the dungeon. Yeah, right. You don't have to, you know, so you can have these. For the elemental fire. Okay, you got to the water.
0: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> right. I did yeah. run a, I did once run a battle with a grid on a map where I had half of it in Avernus and half of it was in the prime world at the same time with a portal that you could drop through to go from one to the other. And, mm. and it had two battle maps side by side with all these crazy fights. on. That was a pretty good one. That was another finale. Yeah. I, I always go in for big for the finales. Yeah, um, I think it's a good impulse. But yeah, I think I think it's a it's an important point to kind of hammer home the same thing you, you brought up, which is like, you know, all of these are tools that you can use or not use as they serve the story, right? And the advantage of of you know the only reason that like I I kind of hang on to like theater of the mind is because it feels like there are certainly times where that can work, and and that it's it's fast to, to use and it and it you know avoid some of the problems that you have you know, at speed being a big one time. Um, and it's not the end all be all. It's not the only way, uh, but it's a good way to uh, it's, it's just good to have all of these. Right. And you, you now have this Avenue of like over here, I could do anything I want. And that, you know, I can describe anything I want over here. I can build really good setups where the players have a lot of agency that they wouldn't otherwise have to be able to define how they're going to go about it. And we don't have to, you know, they don't have to play mother may I, you know, to, yep. to get the things they they really want to do. So, so like a lot of this, uh, you know, a lot of this, I feel like uh, expands the, the the range of tools that we have to tell you know to or to to share the stories that we share with our with our players. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I like them as much as I do. Yep. Uh, Dave, this has been fantastic. Uh, you know, it's been too long since you and I <laughs> we we talked last week, but I think it was years before that. <laughs> we had yeah, just haven't right. haven't have run into each other in conventions and things like that um yep. but yeah it's a great great pleasure to have you on um, yeah thanks I, for having me yeah i really appreciate the talk i was super excited last 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 time when enrique and i were like hey dave chockers in the chat all, also, all the four e people are back
1: also when i was like i will fight you about yeah <laughs> and i'm like do it like you know not
0: because i think i can beat you because i know i'll learn something and that's that's what i'm trying to do is just constantly you know always always yep. pick up new ideas and boy i've picked up a lot of ideas from you over the years so uh, my, my, yeah. games are, my games are better for, for all the information you've had and the friendships that we shared. So uh, yeah, thank you very much for being on the show. I'm gonna thank everybody uh, who's been hanging out on Twitch uh, and uh, hanging out with us tonight. And for those of you watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast, thank you all very much. Have a, have a great day and uh, get out there and play some D&D.